If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. So today is November 10th, 2017, and we have our hour to get together with our first class. So we're going to go ahead and get started with a guided meditation. Uh, this is going to allow you and myself in just the duration of probably about five to seven minutes to get down to that energetic feeling space within our bodies that we'd always want to be in prior to starting any sort of animal communication session, prior to initiating conversation with an animal. This isn't something that necessarily has to be put in place first, but I find when students are starting to purposely, whenever they purposely choose or want to start to embrace their intuitive channels, that this is very helpful in helping them to start that process. So let you and I both go ahead and close our eyes and just take in a nice deep breath. And as we exhale, I want you to just bring your awareness to wherever it is you're focusing your attention in your body right now. A lot of people tend to focus their attention or, in other words, live life from the brain or mind aspect of their body. So as we move through life, we're looking at our eyes, we're hearing through our ears, and we're often contemplating or figuring out uh, information about life, and we tend to do it from the aspect part of our body versus, say, from our right hand or our left foot. So I'm going to allow you to just have some few seconds of silence here and just bring your attention to or notice wherever you're living life from right here, right now, as I'm speaking. And know that being in the brain, living life from the brain, is not bad. It's just just fine. You know, it's very important for us humans to have our mind. It's a wonderful tool that allows us to do so much. But I find in doing intuitive work, we want to invite the mind to become rather still. Still so that it's really not distracting us. So what we're going to do now is we're going to drop down into our heart space, which is a further distance from our thinking brain, our thinking mind. And as we drop down, I think you'll start to notice that there are other things to become aware of besides one's thoughts. So we'll do that together now. On your next inhale and exhale, imagine that you're dropping down like an elevator. First, we're going to drop down to our nose, our neck, our upper chest, and land about in the area of your heart. If you make it your intention to bring your awareness or focus to that drop-down position, it will be so because you're the, you've got the willpower and you've got the say regarding where you live life from. So in this five seconds here of me speaking, let's just practice hanging out there, feeling what life is like from this space.
And as we hang out here, we might, might start to notice some other sensations, energies, and awarenesses. And I'm going to give you a duration of about 10 seconds just to become observant. Your job isn't to pull any uh, awarenesses to mind or to heart space, rather. It's rather just to notice whatever raw, organic awarenesses you do notice. And there may be lots. There may be very little. But let's pay attention. And as we're down here, you might start to notice that thoughts pop in now and then from the thinking mind, or you may not. But if you happen to be in a space of observing any thoughts that do come to mind, I think what you'll find is that there's a greater distance now that you're hanging out in your heart space, where there would be less of a distance if you were hanging out in your mind or your brain area and having the same thought. So allow yourself to think some thought, create it if you have to, and just observe it from that deeper space. And then, Nancy, go ahead and tell me what that's like for you, that experience. It's like I'm looking at them from an airplane window. <coughs> okay. <Hi. coughs> And if I invite you now to go ahead and bring your awareness back up to that normal area of your thinking brain and mind and allow yourself to have another thought, maybe the same one or a similar one, and tell me what that experience is like. Meh, doesn't matter. Okay. So there's a perceived distance, difference regarding the yes. difference? Okay. Excellent. Distance and difference. Okay. How does it feel to emotionally feel from the heart space? Drop down there again and allow any emotion of your choice, joy, etc. Safe. Be What's that? You feel safe. Okay. Awesome. So now I'm going to invite us to go ahead and drop down even deeper. We're going to drop down to the location of probably our liver area, stomach area. So on another exhale, go ahead and do that. And compare what it feels like to hang out in this space compared to the heart space. And let me know what that experience is like. <clears throat> really no difference. Okay. So of those three places, or maybe two feel similar, three feel similar, is one of the three more still for you than the other locations? Which one is the st most still? Yes. If I don't think about it, the first one that comes up is liver. Okay. 
very good. So what we find is the more deeper we go into our physical bodies, it's kind of like we center ourselves. And when we center ourselves, there tends to be fewer thoughts, more stillness, more spaciousness. Um, We can still be totally aware and perceive even when we go to a deep space, um, just as we can perceive from our heart space. But I show you this exercise and invite you during the week if you want to to continue to practice it because I find that most people tend to have one or more areas where it's more still. For me, it happens to be deeper in the liver area as well. Some people find it's the heart for them. What are, my point is I tell people if you want to communicate with animals, you want to be in a space of non-judgment which means not thinking, basically, not in the thinking mind, which easily judges, easily opinionates, easily has a say on this and that. And one of the easiest ways of getting away from the thinking mind is simply to drop down as deep as feels right for you till you reach that space of calmness, inner stillness. That's the best place to be prior to reaching out to an animal to start a conversation. Because by being there, you tend to stay out of your own way. You tend to not put your own thoughts into the conversation you're having with an animal. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Excellent. So during this entire hour, we're going to do our best to maintain that uh, relaxation. And if at any point you happen to notice your own thoughts coming to mind, uh, interrupting you or distracting you, the easiest way to get back to that deeper space is by taking a deep breath and dropping down. So let's go ahead and move on to that document that I sent you in uh, via email. I happen to have that in front of me as well. Did you get a chance to read through that in advance? You didn't have to. I'm just kidding. I did. Okay, perfect. So Penelope Smith is a well-known animal communicator who's been doing mm-hmm. this work entire life. She actually channeled these foundational pointers for students back in the 70s when she was teaching people this work. She found that the average human being on the planet who wanted to learn animal communication did not even, I'm sorry about my dog, did not even have this basic foundational set of knowledge. So she channeled this so we can all start out on the right page. So I'm going to go with number one. Yoshi. Good boy. Can you lay down, please? Lay down. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to read through this, and then I'm going to stop at the end of each one because there's some things that I need to point out. So number one, more than any other factor, your attitude towards animals influences how receptive you are to their communication and how willing they are to communicate to you. Respect and revere animals as fellow beings, different in physical form than you, but of the same spiritual essence and potential. If you approach animals with condescension, thinking they are inferior in intelligence, awareness, or substandard in any way, you limit your ability to perceive and understand them as they truly are. As you increase and treat them as fellow intelligent beings, you allow them to express themselves more deeply and fully to you, and your relationship develops, matures, elevates, and expands. Focusing only on the biological aspect of an animal, while fascinating wondrous in itself, can place you in the ruts of conventional notions and inhibit true seeing of the spiritual essence and wisdom behind the physical form. 
admiring an animal's spiritual qualities, such as sincerity, trust, love, devotion, and everything else listed there, will help to transform your whole relationship, enhancing the two-way communication and understanding between you. Be humble and receptive and allow animals to teach you. So some of my thoughts that I've discovered over the years that are really helpful to beginners is it's important when talking to an animal for us to let go of preconceived notions, such as all thoroughbreds are this way, all pit bulls are that way, all Doberman pinchers and German shepherds are protective dogs, all Siamese cats are talkers. You know, all cheetahs are vicious. Yes, exactly. So all of these are just ideas um, that get tossed around out there from humans and they get passed on and we see things, you know, dramatized in TV, on the news, etc. And one of the best things that you can do in helping yourself be the best clear animal communicator can be is to let go of any of those ideas that you might have acquired over time. We need to go in with a clean slate any time we talk to an animal. So if I've got a pit bull in front of me and I happen to be a beginner who has the opinion that pit bulls can sometimes be dangerous, if I have that opinion lodged either consciously or sometimes we have these things lodged unconsciously, then what happens is when that pit bull who let's pretend is very kind and gentle and doesn't have a mean bone in her body starts communicating to us about her personality, Anything that she relays to us that is not within our belief system, it's like her information gets blocked. It doesn't come through our filter or our belief of pit bulls are sometimes dangerous. And what that does is it can discolor the information she's receiving. We might be more likely to misinterpret what she's saying, or we might not get some of the aspects of information she's sharing with us at all. So beliefs, um, there's nothing wrong with beliefs, but in this work, in the spiritual work, you tend to find that um, blocks that we have to doing this work or little issues we have to doing this is usually because of some belief or point of view or idea that we have running consciously or, again, sometimes unconsciously. So I'm, I'm aware of that. My neighbors have a, a King Charles Cavalier mix, mm-hmm. and the dog is a hysterical barker, and I think the dog is stupid, and she knows I think she's stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's a hysterical barker, which makes, because she knows that I think she's stupid, it makes it worse. Okay. I'm fully aware of that. Okay. So I pointed out because it tends to be a big block and one of the more common blocks for beginners. So it's good for us to know what it is because if we know what something is, then we can address it. If we don't know what our issue or block is to a certain communication with a certain animal, um, we sometimes don't know how to get around it. So the other thoughts on this, we always want to let go of what we see animals doing with their behavior and evaluating them on that because this communication work obviously is about something that's much more deep. It's beyond the physical body language. It's about hearing, listening, and understanding what it is they're wanting to tell us. And then from there, once we've got a good rapport with them, a good connection with them, we can offer information that they might be missing or offer them new suggestions and ideas that they've never perhaps considered. 
So that's where the conversational piece comes in. And then the other thought here is when it comes to intelligence of animals, you know, uh, a dolphin is no more intelligent than, say, uh, a mouse or a pig. You know, the science class teaches us that animals with more complex brains are more intelligent. And what I've found over the years is it's very much an individualistic thing. Mm-hmm. You yeah, can have aware of that. dogs, ten dolphins, ten ants, and each is going to have uh, a different level, if you will, of intelligence, from super intelligent to super simple-minded and everything in between. And I mention this, too, because... It can be a block for us to assume that certain species are more intelligent than others, so we want to let that go. So number two, we want to believe in our own intuitive ability to give and receive telepathic communication. Don't invalidate your perception of impressions, images, or messages in any form. So having the inner belief that we're born with this, and you've already experienced some of this yourself, so you know you have the ability, is a huge fuel to allowing us to do further depth in this work. And I also find that how willing we are to break outside our comfort zone in being brave enough to relay the raw, organic, intuitive impressions that we get from an animal, even if it doesn't fully make sense. You know, we might get a single word. You know, we might ask them a question, you know, how are you doing with the new pet in the house, for example, and we might get a single word. And maybe that word isn't really a complete idea, and yet at this stage of the game, Nancy, I'll always want you to tell me whatever you get, even if it was a single word. And I point this out because you want to give me or tell me so I can give you feedback and confirmation whatever little piece you get without doing the common mistake that most beginners do. They'll take that word and they'll try to automatically put their own human thinking mind ideas around what that word means, and then they'll present it to the animal communicator for feedback. And oftentimes when we get away from the raw organic piece that we got from the animal directly, our own thoughts kind of muddy the waters and dilute or totally change the meaning of what it is the animal was after in getting us to know whatever their answer was. So that right there is is really key. Give whatever raw information you got and stick to that. Don't try to translate it or make up more other than what you got. I can help you get further and we can I can teach you how to gain depth and further understanding about what it is that one piece they're offering but don't let your mind jump in to help you because the mind will take us off track again and again does that make sense mm-hmm. okay. so number three be ready receptive mentally quiet and alert because if your mind is busy full of thoughts and background static you can't listen and receive To get to this state may take considerable practice and changes in lifestyle. Avoid substances and environmental conditions that dull the mind or make it too agitated. Adopt habits that reduce stress and increase calmness, like balanced food, exercise, rest, yoga, meditation, quiet time with your animal friends, and out in nature. So during this week and during this course, Nancy, I would invite you to on your own time, maybe make a list of five areas in your everyday life or, you know, in a week's period that tends to, these little areas tend to cause you more stress than you wish they did. 
and see if next to them, after your list of five, you can put a suggestion to yourself of how to better handle that, you know, that particular one of five situations in a way where you can cultivate greater calmness when you know, that particular thing happens or that particular thing you know, sets you off or triggers you. Because we want to be more like the animals in cultivating inner calmness. Doing this work is most easy when we're calm, relaxed, and still and deep. Mm -hmm. And if we want to get better from the point of where you and I stand right here, right now, on, you know, November 10th, then we need to start identifying areas of of our lives where things create stress and we need to start moving the direction of calmness because what happens is the universe sees everything that we choose our free will is just so huge in creating our reality. So if we choose to cultivate more calmness in, say, five areas of our life, the universe can be like, oh, she's creating more balance. And animal communication, it moves you in the direction of greater balance with animals. So you see how one thing can kind of have a ripple effect on the other. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing here is, you know, everybody has their own things that create stress for them and creates, you know, uh, calmness. And so there's a list of, you know, balanced food, exercise, everybody. It's going to be different for everybody. Um, for me personally, as Danielle, it was when I learned this work, I had to turn off the TV. I had to turn off the news. And for the most, well, the news has definitely been off for these last 12, 13 years. <laughs> Never gained that one back. Um, and I've become far more selective at what shows I watch on Netflix. So um, I watch things that make me feel good. I don't watch horror films. I don't watch those things that create discord within me. Uh, I watch what kind of dramas I watch on TV. If I start feeling inner, my inner stillness, going from stillness in just observing the movie to getting riled up or too emotional in a negative way, I tend to get up and walk away, and I don't watch the remainder of that show. Um, if I'm not already sucked in, and I'm human, so sometimes I do get sucked in and don't observe that, but that's something I do my best to watch because my whole goal at this stage in my personal life, Nancy, which may feel right to you as well, is to create more inner calmness and stillness because that makes me a better listener. It makes me more patient in hearing what it is the animals have to say, even if it takes them five minutes to try to get their idea across because maybe I'm not understanding in the first one minute. I'm willing to wait it out and get more inner still and quiet in order to understand and perceive. Sometimes people think this work is about doing it quick and fast, and you ask a question, you get an answer, and that kind of fluidity comes with practice and experience. But in the beginning, just learning to listen and wait for the answer is huge. Yeah, I've kind of experienced that. My sister, I occasionally get stuff from my sister's dogs, and she just she's they're moving down the road from us and she today said she asked me a question about her dog and i said i can't turn it on or off because it's not like i can it's not like i'm having a conversation with you i ask a question and it might be a couple of days before somebody responds to me whoever responds to me and it might be a couple okay. of days okay okay cool so good to know the process of how you've been receiving up to this point in time Okay, excellent. Some, sometimes it's pretty much instantaneously. Other times it's like something comes percolating up. And mm-hmm. I wonder, well, is that me or is that them? Mm-hmm. So yes. there's always that. There is always that. So what you're going to learn throughout this course is to have greater inner stillness, st- 
stability. You're going to learn this. You're going to practice this through every communication, every exercise that we do, because you start to pattern yourself, repattern yourself. The more you do that, the more you practice, the more you aim to get the answer now, you start to learn what you have to do as Nancy in order to drop down, stay down in that stillness, open and receive. So we're going to go from, okay, you know, sister, I'm going to get the answer whenever it comes through. I'll let you know maybe in a couple days if it comes through within that type period of time. If I get it instantly, I'll let you know now. Great. But So we're going to move from that into now we're starting to ask a question now. We've got the animal's full attention. They're willing to speak to us now, and now we can perceive the answer. So I think you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy that transition to that getting it when you want it kind of idea. Okay, so number four, cultivate flexibility, a willingness to learn from all beings and to change your ideas. That sentence right there is so significant. Um, We have these ideas, perceptions that we are taught from our human cultural point of view that don't apply necessarily to the horse, to the dog culture, the cat culture, mouse culture, etc. And some of the ideas that we present to animals, they don't understand because they don't have that human cultural background. But if we can, when we pose that question, sense that they don't understand our question, we can then simplify it to help them understand our point of view, educate them on our perspective in that moment, and then we can open again and listen to their perspective. So the point here is animals have tons of new ideas that you and I have never heard of before, some of which we might define as a bit outrageous or a bit so unusual or unique that it's like um, so foreign to us. Like, you know, that could be so commonplace, that particular unique idea in, say, the mouse world, but because we don't live in the mouse world, we don't know it. And how is it that a good communicator can sense what is so common everyday knowledge in the mouse world? Okay, it's, it's about a willingness to learn from all beings and to change our ideas. Basically, to change ideas is just to go in with a blank slate, basically have no ideas. In the moment that I'm communicating with an animal, I do my absolute best, Nancy, to let go of every human idea I've ever been taught, except for that communication aspect, because I want to be able to communicate clearly and be heard clearly and understood clearly. But aside from that, I let go of my own ideas. And sometimes I am surprised, a lot of times I'm surprised by what the animals have to say because it just doesn't jive with anything I've heard before. So, second sentence, watch for judgments and preconceptions that limit receptivity to what the animal's really communicating. Be open to surprises, the unexpected. Let go of, un- of conventional notions of human-animal communication. Be ready for animals to communicate and question them on any level, from what food they like to what they can teach you to improve your life to what they consider to be the most profound truth. So when we as communicators relax, go deep, what happens energetically, whether you realize it or not, when you go deep down to your your liver area, we open energetically. And when we open, Nancy, we create this void or this space that is a place of receiving. It's a void. There's like not much there. You know, if you're not thinking because you are deep enough, then there's no thoughts to get in the way or to distract you from what it is the animal is offering you in that moment. In order to send and receive communication with the animal, it basically looks like this in a, in a nutshell, in a clean nutshell. I've dropped down. 
I've relaxed my physical body, which allows me to relax my mind. Therefore, not many thoughts, if any, are coming through in that moment. It also happens to relax my emotional body, so I'm not really feeling any emotions. I'm not even feeling joy. If I go deep enough, all I feel is this space of comfort, stillness. To me, it feels like peace. Um, You mentioned the word safe before, so that might be very akin to the same thing. Different words, same energy. But the point is, when you're that deep, and from that space you pose a question to an animal, such as, you know, how are you feeling physically today, older dog? And then you go into silence. You're already hanging out in the energy of reception. You've already set yourself up for success to being open to whatever raw, intuitive information comes from the animal because when the animal thinks back to you it lands in the void or the receptive area you've created energetically within your beingness and it's easy to perceive the picture maybe that comes or maybe it comes through as a word or a feeling or an emotion that wasn't there a second ago when you started that's how you start to with time and practice differentiate your own thoughts from the thoughts that you're receiving or any sort of information at all, whether it comes through as a thought picture, whatever, however it comes through from the animal. If you start out in a space of silence, asking your question, going back to silence, and that information comes through from that animal, chances are, if you stayed in your space, that's accurate information from the animal. If during that moment you start thinking to yourself, when the animal's supposed to be answering you, you start thinking to yourself, oh, am I going to get this? Am I going to hear the answer? Oh, I don't know if I'm going to get it. Oh, I think they said this and this. What happens is you bounce up from that deep position back up into your mind and your head, and you are now hanging out in your head space, and receiving from your head space information from an animal doesn't really work well. It's very hard to sense and notice as a human intuitive impressions when our own thoughts are so loud and they're kind of getting in the way. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. <clears throat> my issue is that my own thoughts will probably get in my way just because I've got a lot of noise up there. Mm-hmm. As do I as a human. And that tends to be pretty common for us humans. But the awesome thing about, again, dropping down, and this is what I would invite you to practice on your own time throughout the week. Practice dropping down when you've got a few minutes. You can do it in a grocery store line. You don't have to be purposely trying to sense an animal or anything in particular in that moment. But see if you can do it regardless of the action. Don't do it when you're driving. Um, regardless <laughs> of the actions that you're doing, uh, see if in that moment of just being, you know, standing in line or walking to the store or walking back to your car, See if you can just drop real deep. When you drop real deep and you just open your awareness to sensing whatever's happening in the moment, you're probably going to become more aware of how your body's moving as you walk to the car, how your stomach and liver maybe feel, how your heart feels. And when those human thoughts do pop in, if you're sensing from that deep space, you're going to observe that thought. And it's going to be very interesting because that thought will often feel very far away. And you'll be, it's like you're observing your own voice in that moment. And that's a great exercise because you know what? Animal communicators are excellent observers. We have to observe the raw organic information an animal sending us, right? So in this case, this exercise isn't much different from observing our own thoughts or how we feel in our body from that deep space. It's still a point of observation. Do you see what I mean? 
Okay. So number five, be emotionally peaceful. Having an emotional investment in what animals say to you or how they should be can influence what you receive. If you require the animals like you or be affectionate before you communicate with them, this can disturb them, block their true feelings or ideas, or or cloud your receptiveness to them. In working with improving your two-way communication with animals, we don't want to flood animals with emotion, whether it's love, fear, sadness, or anger, because if you're putting out strong emotion, you're generally not receptive to anything else, and you'll only get back your own emotion or the animal's response to it. So let me clarify this one. So I'm not saying don't love your dog. What I'm saying is there's a time and a place to love our animal friends, and there's a time and a place to be a quiet, still, observant communicator. So we can either love in that moment or we can communicate. If you want to communicate, it's a lot easier for us humans to communicate when there's no distractions. Distractions can come when we're trying to communicate with an animal, distractions can come most commonly to us communicators in the form of thinking thoughts, our own, or in the form of emotion. Let's pretend for a moment that I was worried or concerned about the answer that one of my dog friends might say to me. Let's pretend my dog friend is on his deathbed and I drop down to the best of my ability and my, my depth of my body and then I think I'm pretty quiet and still, but let's pretend I also have a little bit of fear about what they might say. And I pose the question, dog, are you getting ready to transition within the next, you know, 24, 48 hours? And then I go into silence. Okay, so the good part about that is I've gone into silence. The good part is I knew enough to drop down and get deep. The not-so-great part is I already have an attachment to what the answer's, animal's answer might be. I might be afraid of what I'll hear. I've already predecided, or I'm weary of hearing that they might say, I'm, I'm ready to go right now, or I'm going to go in a few minutes, or whatever their answer is. We've got an attachment to whatever it is they say. Okay. Well, it's, isn't that like a doctor shouldn't operate on their own family? Yeah, similar to that, yes. So it's really good if you're working with your own pets prior to asking what could be a, a sensitive question for you to ask them, sensitive for you to hear, um, to kind of get real honest with yourself. So I would first, if, if I was in that situation described and I know that I'm concerned about what my dog might say, I, as Danielle, would say, okay, I'm going to be real honest with myself. I am worried about what he or she may tell me. And I might even say to my dog out loud before I actually drop down deep, you know, dog, I am sensitive to whatever it is your answer might be. I, I, this is emotionally up for me. I'm feeling triggered right now because I have a relationship with you and I worry about you and I love you. And, you know, so it's, I may not be as objective, but I'm going to do my best to try. And then what I would encourage you to do if you ever find yourself in that situation is drop as deep, Nancy, as you need to go. And that's what I do myself. I drop so deep that I kind of outmaneuver the emotion of fear or worry. Um, It's just going to the deepest place of inner stillness, deepest centered part of inner stillness of yourself. And all of us humans have that. It's just that I find that most of us humans tend to find we're more comfortable hanging out in a certain area for the average human being, it's hanging out in our heads, right? <laughs> but for people doing intuitive work, it tends to be, we tend to get more comfortable hanging out in our hearts. 
and sometimes in our livers. But I want to point out to you there are deeper places you can go. Um, I've had a little bit of an experience with that because I keep asking Keo, and I'm again, I may not be picking up what she wants. I keep asking Keo if she wants to retire from nose work. And I explained to her what my goal is with her. I'd like to get her an ACSW championship because then she goes into the Akita Hall of Fame. And I tell her if she wants to retire, I'll stop. We can stop. I'll, I tell her I will, I, I'll be disappointed. And at the same time, if that's what you want to do, that's what we'll do because you're doing most of the work. And it's not about me. It's about you. If you want to stop, we'll stop. Uh-huh. If you need to stop, we'll stop. Okay. And I asked her, do you want to retire? And I get, no. And I also asked her, what do you want to do? And she said, this elite stuff is hard, and I just want to go and have fun, and I don't want to have to worry about getting high scores, and I'm totally fine with that. I, I told her the, the trade-off is that it's going to take us longer, which means we're going to do more trials if, we, if we're going to pursue this, and I want her to know that, but I'm fine if she just wants to go out and have fun and do what she can do. She doesn't have to have pressure of having high scores. Mm-hmm. As long as she's having fun, that's really all I care about. And okay. if she wants to stop, we'll stop. Okay, cool. So if at some point you want to practice, you know, asking her that just to see if her answer happens to be different or more detailed. It may or may not be. But if you want to practice asking that from a deeper location, know that now you can. And you might learn something new or different. Well, I'll certainly try it. Because if if we're doing something she doesn't want to do, I don't want to do it. Okay. I'm not going to force her to do something she doesn't want to do. I know a lot of people who are forcing their dogs to do stuff they don't want to do, and I'm not going to be one of them. That, to me, is abuse. Okay. So right now, as you're speaking, go back to that, those last few sentences you said. Were you speaking to me as Danielle from in your head, your heart, or your liver? All of them. All of them. Okay. So know that a lot of times when we have strong opinions about this or that, we're more often than not pulling from our mental body, from our mind. I'm aware of that. Yes, I'm aware of that. And and fundamentally, as her person, I just want her to be happy. It's like being a parent. I just want my kid to be happy. Right. So I get your angle. I get the human perspective. And what I'm offering you here is doing this work of animal communication is very much like um, I look at it like switching it around. So instead of us going into a question, any question, from our own angle, if we want to most accurately receive information, we have to kind of detach from I want this for you. I want you to be happy. I want you to have fun. Kind of even got to let go of that stuff because that's kind of like the, the pit bull being this way and the German shepherd being that way and Akita's being that way. Those are, those are beliefs and opinions and ideas of what, what we want for a pet, and there's nothing wrong with that. However, if we want to accurately hear and receive their half of the coin, their perspective, we've even got to let go of our own in that moment of asking that question. 
So I'm just pointing this out because as we go through this course, I'm going to probably have you switch and change the verbiage of some of your questions to your animals, um, to the animals in general. And doing that little change of verbiage allows the question to become more open-ended, less, um, less, less opinionated on our end, uh, less, um, it triggers us less. So a question you might have fun with asking during this week for her would be, you know, what would be most fun for you? And I don't mean going into the angle of, is doing the nose work fun for you anymore? That's a real precise question. There are times and places for real precise questions too. But just see what kind of you know, response you get for her and asking her, what, what is fun for you to do? Nose work may or may not come up. Um, she might tell you stuff about her everyday life that's fun. So try asking that fun, open-ended, you're not attached to whatever she says kind of answer. So I, I give you that to kind of ponder throughout the week, too. Okay. Well, I kind of have asked that. (laughs) And what comes up is she's okay with doing these trials. And it it sort of came about out of exasperation because it was was one of those things, well, what do you want to do? Do you, I mean, because I kept getting yes, no, 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 yes, 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 whatever. And then I said, okay, so what do you want to do? Tell me what you want to do and we'll do it. Whatever you want to do. And what came up is she likes doing the trials. She likes traveling around with me. She likes searching in different areas. She just doesn't want to have to worry about high scores. Okay. That's what so, I got, and I may be wrong, and I'll certainly ask her again. Yeah. But I learned that the hard way because it was I was exasperated. It's like, all right, just you're not answering me my questions in a way that I can understand. Help me and tell me what you want to do. Okay. And that's what okay. came up. So let's, okay, cool. So animals are 100% professional communicators. It's us humans, and that's why you're here for the course. It's us humans that need to learn to be 100% (laughs) professional or as best we can in listening. So it's not so much about her helping you. It's about you helping yourself. And so this course and what I'm offering in each one of these uh, things is a new idea, or if it's an idea you've already felt like you know you, you've already accomplished that, or you know about that already, try to be as open as you can to learning that idea from a new angle, a new perspective. Okay, be as open as you can. All right, let's move on to number six. So we want we want to be alert and calm when we're doing this work. We don't want to force the communication or try too hard. Notice our body posture and tension, leaning forward over the animal, straining our forehead or facial muscles, breathing shallowly, tightening our hands, manipulating or controlling the animal. Those are all things we don't want to do because what happens when we are in a space of our physical body is under stress in that moment of asking an animal a question or we're mentally you know, in stress or we're emotionally in stress regarding asking the animal, we are not as deep and still as we can be. And again, those ways of being can block true receptivity. We kind of make the the work harder for ourselves than it needs to be. Calmness and relaxation is the key to doing this work. Um, When we physically relax our bodies, our mental body relaxes. When our mental body relaxes, our thinking mind, our emotions relax. When our emotions relax, we naturally drop down into our liver into our heart space 
Now granted, you can do it from the other angle. You can start by dropping down and then inviting the physical body, mental and emotional body, to relax and open. They kind of naturally do of their own accord anyway when you drop down. So it doesn't matter from which angle you start from, but the whole key and idea is to be alert and calmed. That's where humans need to be in learning this work. Since animals are professionals, animals can both communicate telepathically and be in a heightened state of emotion. That lion about to, you know, have a pick a fight with another lion, uh, he can be telepathically sending lots of thoughts to the other lion while feeling aggressiveness, for example, emotionally. He can do that because he is so good at being able to stay clear if he wanted in that moment in receiving lion number two's responses back. Okay? But we humans, we're not there yet. So we humans have to quiet everything in order to free ourselves up from as many physical, mental, and emotional distractions as possible. And that takes work, and it takes time and patience. If it, w- if it was super easy for all of us humans to do, every human being on the planet would be as would naturally communicating with the animals as they're already yep. communicating with each other. Exactly. So... Um, that's fine. That's where we are now, and we're going to cultivate greater inner calmness. All right, so seven, let communication assume its own form, whether it's feelings, images, impressions, thoughts, verbal messages, sounds, other sensations, or simply knowing. Everything I just listed there, Nancy, those are the more common ways that intuitive, raw, organic information can come through from an animal. And honestly, it doesn't even matter how you receive or perceive it. Your point is you want to be the best observer you can of whatever does come through. So with time, we will get familiar with how we receive. You'll start to recognize it, and you'll let it and other avenues open up. Let the sense of meaning unfold by itself. Don't analyze, evaluate, or criticize. I'm going to stop right there for a moment. When we receive an intuitive impression from an animal, the moment we notice it from a space of just observational noticing, if we can maintain that space of observation for generally a few seconds longer than when that organic information landed in us, generally that information unfolds and opens and the, the concept, meaning, and entire idea about what it's really about tends to start to become more available to us. We start to recognize what it means. That one word they give us, we sit with it in silence versus getting excited and being like, oh my God, oh my God, I got something, and popping up to your thinking mind, I got something, I got something, is what you're thinking, and now you're going to relay it to the communicator who's going to give you feedback. The moment you do that, you just popped yourself out of what could have been a bit more intuitive information. Now, it happens. And it's okay, and it's common, and I just point it out because if you observe yourself getting excited and popping up, that's fine. Relay to me what it is you got, but I think with time you'll start to find greater patience in sitting with it a tad longer and gleaning more before you come up, come up rare, or (laughs) come back up to your thinking mind where you use your physical words to relay it to me out loud. So the second second's about don't analyze, evaluate, or criticize. The moment we start to analyze, evaluate, or criticize any tidbit of raw information from an animal, we are popping ourselves back up into our thinking mind. The moment we go to our thinking mind, we could start to analyze and say, oh, I think that word means 
such and such, um, or we, we try to make sense of it. And the moment we try to interpret it, we tend to get farther away from the truth of what it is the animal was really saying, and we can really um, totally grossly misinterpret things. So what do we want to do instead? We want to stay down, wait a few seconds longer, glean what more we can glean, and we want to remain innocent and non-judgmental. And honestly, remaining innocent and non-judgmental, if we stick to that lower liver space, is far easier to do. We just have to stay there a bit longer. From that space, we can accept what we get and acknowledge the communication. If we're in doubt, we can relax, and I mean physically, mentally, emotionally, drop down, relax, and ask again. But we don't want to keep doubting and refusing to accept the communication impression, or we can build our own walls. Be willing to so, take So, a question, if... Is there a pattern that someone has in receiving information? So would somebody always get images or would somebody always get words or is there like a mash of it? Sometimes you get images, sometimes you get words. Yeah, so every beginner has a different start point there. Some get a whole mash of it. Some people, like when I first started, I got mostly images and words. Smells, sounds, feelings in my body and emotions for me developed later on. And I tell people, it doesn't even matter as a beginner, um, you know, what's coming through. But if you're noticing raw organic information, and let's pretend for a moment, most of them are thoughts or words. Um, And you get feedback from the communicator or from the owner that, wow, those thoughts and words you're getting are, are accurate. They're giving you positive feedback. Then continue to notice that in the future because that's a channel that's already pretty wide open for you. I find that the most widest channels, intuitive channels, that are available to you right here, right now, as of November 10th, are going to be how you perceive the raw organic information. There tends to be a trend, sure, mostly words, mostly visuals, whatnot. Um, But as you continue to practice and experience this work, those other intuitive channels, such as smell, intuitive smell, tend to open up as well. For me, smell didn't develop for a couple years in. Okay, that was just my personal journey. now I have access to, um, my, my understanding is all aspects of those, and, and I do get a mishmash, and sometimes, you know, in a conversation with one animal, I'll get like, mostly visuals, mostly smells, mostly, you know, um, feelings in my body. A different animal, maybe owned by the same person, will give me a, a different array. It doesn't even matter. I just kind of make note of it. As long as I'm, you know, the information is resonating with the person, as long as it's making sense what I'm offering, then we know we're on the right track. Yeah. Okay, so be willing to take risks. We don't want to be afraid to acknowledge whatever raw, organic, intuitive communication we get. Don't worry about what other people will think or even what we think. Um, So really, we just want to be innocent and come from a space of having fun and natural childlike curiosity when doing this work. If we can come from a space of curiosity, we tend to stay out of our thinking mind. If we come from a space of real natural, um, I'm in awe about whatever the animal's answer is going to be. Again, it's that that heightened version of curiosity. It keeps us out of our emotion and our mental bodies. So there are things that we can do as communicators starting out on this journey that helps us start from the get-go in receiving more accurate information compared to being untrained and having just up to this point in life's experience receiving intuitive impressions kind of at random. We want to let go of that random, and we want to start to 
kind of do this work when we want to do this work with the animals, just like the animals are already doing with themselves. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So number eight is just about practicing with a wide variety of animals in various situations, stepping back from routine and expectations, and be willing to learn and discover. So we are going to move right into our exercise with Lyra, my cat, and I'm going to guide you on this. So Lyra is living. She's here in my bedroom here with me right now. Lyra is probably about nine, ten years old, and I've owned her since she was a kitten. Um, she's black, uh, and that happens to be an older picture of her from her, her younger years, not that it matters. The pic- point of a picture is to be like a touchstone or a energetic uh, point where we can connect with an animal from. So I tell people, take photographs that people send you of their pets with a grain of salt. That picture, um, may, that picture, you know, I'll tell you right now, for example, that picture shows a very different body weight than my cat is right now, okay? But it doesn't matter. It's only an energetic touchstone. So I'm going to guide you on what we're going to do. We're going to practice sensing energy. So with your eyes closed, take a deep breath, Nancy, and do your best to drop down as deep as you can and relax. Let me know verbally when you think you're there. Yeah, I'm in my head now because I feel like you gave me a direction. Okay, okay. So here's what happens. When we've got an idea or you feel like somebody's giving you a direction, here's how you deal with that because this is going to come up, you know, in life. Yeah. So you're here in your mind. We're not going to fight it, okay? What we're going to do is we're going to relax physically. And on your next exhale, I want you to allow that breath as it exhales your body, to just be like an elevator. Let it draw you down naturally. gone as deep in this, you know, five seconds as you feel you can go, even if it's not all the way to your liver. As long as it's anything beyond your mind, your brain, we'll work with you. Yeah, I'm there. Okay, cool. So from that space, I want you to relax further, and I want you to become the best observer of your own energy as you can be. Feel what it's like to feel your own energy. Your own energy, what I mean by this, this is your spirit, your soul, or your aliveness that's within your body. And now we're going to make it our intention, and intention is is key, to shifting our awareness over to Lyra the Cat's energy. 
Now you can keep your eyes closed. You've always already seen a picture of what she looks like. Energetically, you know her energy because, well, energy knows energy. We're all in oneness. So shift over to just observing, being the best observer you can be of her energy. And let me know when you feel her. And you'll know you feel her because she'll feel different than how your own energy felt to you. I just hear the words, wonderful cat. Okay. So can you feel her energy? I can't tell. Okay. So try this. Go back to your own energy for a moment. Just you, feeling you. And once you're there, then go ahead and shift your, your intuitive focus over to Lyra's energy. And imagine you're allowing yourself to be immersed in the center of her energy. And Lyra's here right now, and she's, she's feeling this. She's feeling you, she tells me. So I'm going to ask her to, as best she can, Lyra, just amplify your energy, turn up the volume, and Nancy, your job as she turns up the volume is to take another deep breath and allow yourself to kind of float in pure observation mode within her energy as if her energy was like a fog or uh, water wafting all around you. And you're just floating in her energy, feeling her. Does she feel any different than your own energy? Um, to me, it feels like we're Merging energy balls, for a lack of a better term. Okay. So if you poke, put your focus on 100% of her energy ball, what do you notice? I hear purring. Okay, cool. And what do you feel? What does she feel like? If you had to put words to energy, and sometimes, sure, that can be challenging, but do your best, how might you describe to me what her energy feels like to you? I see blue. Okay, good to know. Like, um... Feel into that blue. 
What is that? Like blue? a cobalt blue. If that's okay. the right. If that's the right color. Now do this. We're going to put. You're, you're within her energy. Okay. So I want you to stay there. What you're doing is you're learning how to create stamina and focus in a particular direction. Now, I want you to continue to listen to my words while focusing on her. Okay. So as you're within her, whenever we communicate with an animal, it's imperative that as the communicator we maintain our focus on that animal, with that animal, even while the owner might be asking us a question and we're hearing that with our physical outside ears. Because if we stay with the animal while the owner's speaking to us, therefore it's kind of like we're paying attention to both, we can then hear any comment or reaction in the moment that that animal has in response to what that person is saying. Okay? This is about focus and observation. So I'm going to offer you the question of, I want you to observe Lyra's personality. What do you notice? or observe about her personality, how she shows up in the world with me, her human. This is entirely colored by her photograph, I'm sure, maybe not sure, it's like she's saying, hello, world. Okay. She's bright and alert and funny and curious. Okay. And now put your focus upon the information within her energy field, or you can ask her directly, whichever is easier for you. So, Lyra, what are some of your favorite toys? Oh, she wants a peacock feather that I have. Good. Anything else? Hang on, I popped up a little bit. like a little fuzzy mouse. Okay. Now go ahead and put your attention on the information about how she feels about the other cat that she shares a room in with. Her name is Katie Kitty. She's a gray and white long-haired. She's the only other cat in this room that we share a space with. came up again. Hang on.
I just see her as an individual. I see her as... All I get is meh, another cat. Okay. And one more. Go ahead and ask Lyra how she feels about Yoshi. So Yoshi is here in the bedroom right now. He is a terrier mix, uh, male. He's 12 pounds. He's brown. Uh, Yeah, how does she feel about Yoshi, and how does she feel emotionally? Does she like him, dislike him, something else? She'd rather he be a cat. Okay. I'm going to have you dig even deeper. So I've written that down and, and re-ask to see if she offers you anything more. How do you feel about Yoshi? Do you like him or something else? Should I ask that as how can you tell me, which is more open-ended? Um, in this case, I mean, you can. You can try that. That's fine. You can try that. Sure. I'm second-guessing myself. Tell me what you got, even if you're second-guessing. Um, just fragments that, that, hang on. getting anything I get so go back let's simplify the question ask her straight out do you like him no okay we'll go with that okay I want you to relax your stamina of holding yourself down and and go ahead and allow yourself to bounce maybe back to your head or wherever it feels most natural in the moment and I'm going to give you feedback okay So you're right. No, she does not care for Yoshi. He's a new dog. He's only been here six days. She is very leery of him. She's not too keen on him at this point. She'd rather he be a cat. Uh, For Lyra, no. (laughs) She'd rather he not be here at all, dog or cat. Well, if she had to pick, if he was going to stay, it would rather be a cat because she understands him. That's what I get. She doesn't understand him. She doesn't understand him. I guess he's a jerk. Um, let me ask her, did you, do you have that point of view about Yoshi? She says, I don't trust him. Don't trust him. Don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the don't trust part, don't understand, that's accurate. Um, I don't feel the word jerk from her, but similar. Well, it's, be, it's because he doesn't understand cats. Okay, so I'm going to give you feedback, okay, because I'm yeah. Well, you've got to be open. <laughs> so you got to be open. All right. 
So um, let's see, regarding Katie Kitty, your answer of nay, not too crazy about her. Nay, not interested. That's correct. Okay. Um, her feather toy is one of her favorite toys. She has a feather toy on the end of a wand. Okay. Um, fuzzy mouth, she's had these in the past. Okay, and she does like those indeed. Um, I, right as soon as I asked her that, up this, I have a, a friend of mine, friends of mine down near Philly have a, um, my sister's showing up to help me move some pellets, have a, um, uh, several peacocks, and they bring me peacock feathers from my cat-loving friends. And as soon as I asked her that, that peacock, peacock feather popped into my head. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Good. So what happens is, as the information from an animal comes to us, it gets translated by our own energetic right. wiring, if you will, and so it will present the information in a way that we can most easily understand it. So good. Right. I can confirm that because I know her favorite toys. So well done. And she would, I bet she would like that peacock feather. Okay, so for personality, um, definitely she's very bright. She's very alert. Um, funny? I wouldn't describe her as funny. I don't get she describes herself as funny. She always describes herself as a very serious um, kind of gal. She's got this queen-like, queen bee kind of uh, way of living in I the world. I don't mean funny as in ha-ha. I mean funny as in... How would I describe it? It's the way she looks at the world. It's the way that she perceives things it's not i'm a jokester it's she finds amusement in things as if she's mm, well what comes up is watching from a throne okay okay so if indeed you got funny from the angle of she finds life amusing Interesting. That, I can tell you, is accurate. Not funny, ha-ha, jokester like um, Jerry Lewis. Absolutely not. No. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay, good. So you know what angle, from what angle you got it from. So I'm, I'm telling you the correct match. So it sounds like you did get that. Okay? But see, this is how people are going to give you feedback. They're going to say, oh, yes, that describes my animal. No, that doesn't. Because yes. I'm an animal communicator, I can further kind of dive into it with you and say, okay, well, this is how I hear her, perceive her, know her to be because I live with her. Yes. And, you know, so, yep. Okay, cool. All right. Excellent. Well, you've got quite a few accurate things there in just perceiving her energy, and all information is in the energy field of an animal. So since telepathy is an energetic language, Doing this exercise allows you to see that indeed on class number two, when we move into working more in a conversational mode with the animal, that it's no different than perceiving energy, and it's going to come through in similar ways, but your questions are going to be more direct and to the point with the animals and asking them versus just feeling around or sensing for it. So I love this exercise because it lets people see, oh, if I can feel energy just in the energy of an animal, I can do telepathy. It's, it's only a baby step up. Okay? Well, I'm still, it's not still, it's not clear to me that I was actually feeling energy. I was just getting stuff from her, and I don't know if that's the same thing or what. Okay. Okay. 
So for now, we're going to allow that to suffice because in the beginning, sometimes we as students are not too sure how it comes through, but what I can tell you is you got accurate information right, which is true to this cat. So even if you're not sure about the process of perceiving or receiving at this moment, give yourself a pat on the back for getting accurate information. So obviously, How much of that is because she knows what, how to help? Um, she's done this exercise for me with years, and she's not helping other than amplifying her energy to make it easier for you to feel her. So you need to give yourself credit, <laughs> okay? You did great. All right, Nancy, we are a little bit past time, and I've got yeah. another question in two minutes. But I'm going yep. to let you go. I'll get you the recording within the next 24 hours, so just check your email for that, okay? Okay, great. Thanks. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Sure. <laughs> You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.